It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show on this edition. What is this? July 9th already. Oh, goodness. The month is just sliding by. But anyway, welcome to the show. And uh, as always, thank you for joining us. Well, we have two guests here. We have, uh, are you, if you're an independent filmmaker, especially, you probably already familiar with filmocracy.com or if you're not familiar go to filmocracy.com if you are an independent filmmaker or a film festival person organizer director founder whatever this is a really cool website that is doing a lot in the world of film making film festivals and all of that whole uh, genre of business. So they have a film festival that will be coming up shortly. And so we will be talking to the CEO and founder of Filmocracy as uh, our second guest. And our first guest is a very talented uh, film and television professional makeup artist. And she has worked, her name is Michelle Lewis. And she has worked on just a long list of television shows, hit shows, and films. And she's going to be joining us as our first guest to tell us more about the work that she does, some of the people that she's worked with who are household names, and just how does she even get into that kind of um, that kind of business? A lot of people listening out there, uh, the money is in uh, films and television. It's not only just in front of the camera. It is also behind the camera, like what she does. So she'll be joining us. Michelle will be joining us to tell us more about what she does and how she did it. So, okay, uh, before we get to our guest, we have some information here that I thought would be a lot of fun. I, I just love this kind of stuff. Uh, film Australian film director, Boz Lerman, somebody that I love his work, uh, his film, Elvis is hitting or pretty much has already hit the theaters and it's lovely film. Everybody's talking about how good the film is. So with that in mind, the publication, the entertainment industry publication, The Rap, and that's spelled W-R-A-P, therap.com, what they have done is compiled a list of Elvis movies, 33 Elvis movies ranked from the worst film to the best Elvis film. And uh, we don't have time, of course, to list all 33 of them. And these were, you know, everybody loved Elvis. They like, you know, the women loved looking at him because he was Elvis. Uh, but the movies were often not that good. But they were financially successful because... They were Elvis movies. So anyway, according to The Wrap, and again, that's spelled W-R-A-P dot com, um, these are, I'm, I just did five. These are the top five Elvis movies ranked from the worst to the best. So the number five Elvis movie ranked from worst to best. Num the number five worst one was Jailhouse, Jailhouse Rock. 
that was done in 1957. Number four, we have a vested interest in, was Viva Las Vegas. It was uh, done in 1964, co-starring Anne Margaret. And number three was Follow That Dream, which was done in 1962. Uh, number two was The Trouble with Girls, was done in 1969. And the number one so-called worst Elvis movie, according to the rap.com, was King Creole. It was done in 1958, and it co-starred uh, Carolyn Jones, of course, she went on to star as Morticia Adams in the hit television show, The Adams Family with John Aston, Sean Aston's dad, of course. So those are the top five Elvis movies ranked from worst to the best. <laughs> so if you like all of that kind of stuff, as I do, go to... Um, Again, the rap.com, W-R-A-P.com. I think you have to subscribe to them, but they have a lot of freebie stuff that you can just take a look at that kind of whets your appetite to see what they're all about. It's very helpful, a really cool industry, an entertainment, film, television industry uh, publication. I just love my subscription with them. So anyway, that is that right there. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have auditions. Yes, we got some really fun auditions including an audition for your pet, if it's a dog. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick break. More with Film Festival Radio. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. Okay, we are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show here, and we have two guests that are waiting to chat with us. But before we get to our guest, our esteemed guest, I want to quickly tell you about some, uh, I think I have time, actually I have three auditions, I don't know if I have time for all three, but I want to tell you about the first one here. Listen, if you are a female out here and you are just fed up with trying to find the right guy. Maybe you are tired of the city dudes around here. They're too slick. They're just, they're just city. They're city dudes and you're just tired of it. The games, all that. You're just sick of it. Well, if that is the case, have you ever thought about maybe giving a farmer a try? Yes, a farmer as in E-I-E-I-O. Yes, ma'am. A farmer needs love, too. And so there is a new television reality show. Some producers are, this is a nationwide uh, search. Their producers are putting together a new reality television show that's focusing on handsome farmers who are looking for love and they want ladies who are interested in finding them, meeting up with them uh, for a possible match there. So if you are in the market that you'd like to try maybe finding love with a farmer, there is a website to go to. It's F as in Frank, L-W-F-Women.CastingCrane.com. Crane is spelled C-R-A-N-E. Again, the website is F as in Frank, L-W-F-Women.CastingCrane.com. Go to that website. All of the details are right there that you can uh, find out 
apply, do what it takes. Uh, it's all there. And if you are lucky, you might get selected and you and your farmer can be on their your way to love. Who knows? It's a big Iowa, Nebraska farm that he probably might own, maybe 5,000 acre farm or something. So go check it out. FLWFwomen.castingcrane.com. And finally, um, second audition, if your pet, if you have a pet that's really cool and stylish, there is an upcoming event, a virtual pet fashion show contest that's going to take place. And you, if you're selected, you will get $100. And the website to go do this to find out and apply is Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A-M-A-L-3000 at gmail.com. And you need to do this by July 15th to send your information in. Uh, They're looking for name, uh, email address, city and state where you live, and some pictures of your pet. Again, the webs, the uh, email address, I should say, is marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A-M-A-L 3000 at gmail.com. And please hurry because you need to get that information emailed by July 15th, which is, I believe, next Friday. So, okay, that's it for auditions. And when we come back, we will have our very first guest. Stay tuned. Okay, listeners, we have our next guest on board. This is a very talented young lady. She is one of the best makeup artists. I, I mean, God, I can't even say make. I should say special genius makeup artist in Hollywood. Gosh, her work is just amazing. Her name is Michelle Lewis, and we have her on board for just to get into her world and talk about her latest uh, TV film project that she is has done work on. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Janice. Well, Michelle, as I said, your work is just ridiculously great. Um, some of oh your my God, thank you. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I mean, when you say makeup artist in Hollywood, most people think of glamour, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer Hudson, you know, of course, glamour is there. I'm sure you are, can do that, but you got a whole different anointing here for this makeup stuff. So tell everybody who are some of the famous clients that you've worked with. Oh my goodness. Um, I've been doing this for almost 30 years, so I have to think for a minute. <laughs> for the latest. Um, there have been, been a few. Um, Vivica Fox, uh, one of my favorites, and she's actually a friend as well. Um, Kim Cole, Sinclair from Living Single, another longtime client and good friend. Um, I've had the privilege of working with Idris Elba. Now, let me say this. I've only done him for a photo shoot. He has his own makeup artist at this point, you know, because he's, you know, that rising star guy. Um, but I have had the pleasure of working on a couple of projects with him. The latest that I worked on him with was um, The Heart of They Fall. Oh, okay, cool. And, yeah, and, of course, you know, one of the last projects I did, which we actually shot last year, was the film. I'm sorry, it's a, it's a, actually a limited series from Apple, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, and that's starring Sam Jackson. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and that, it's been, that, uh, that makeup was just incredible uh, on there. Well, and, it was. It, it, let me stop you there because I didn't do that makeup. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Sam, 
No, Sam has his own team, and um, in order to age Sam, they had to bring in a special effects expert, which I can do special effects, but I wouldn't call myself an expert. Um, his name is Jake uh, Garber, and Jake has been with Sam, I believe, since um, Django. Okay. And so that's his guy. I was responsible for everything else, but uh-huh. just not Sam's makeup and hair. But um, okay. I did. I was the department head on that, so... We had um, our, you know, um, uh, Dominique Fishback, who played Robin, um, and um, a, a host of other people. Um, we had a pretty large cast on that show. And um, so I was actually responsible for the rest of the makeup and the design and the looks that um, we all decided on at the end. And I see where you've also worked on uh, films uh, such as uh, Hunger Games, Catching Fire, uh, Dream Girls. Bad Albert, just the yeah. list. We would be here all day. That your long list of, of um, top A plus projects here. So, how did it all get started for you? I mean, you said you've been doing this thirty years. Are you a, a native of LA, or or how did this all get started? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I am a native of Dayton, Ohio. I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. Um, Actually, I was I was in the Air Force for several years, and when I got out, I went to visit a friend in Los Angeles and actually ended up just staying there. Um, worked, you know, a lot of different jobs for corporate, you know, companies and stuff like that, and um, just decided that I wasn't really being fulfilled. And I had a friend um, who had a friend who was a makeup artist, and she introduced me to him, and he kind of, you know, held my hand and showed me the rope. And I guess, and that's where I end up where I'm at right now. And so, uh, who do you recall who were some of your first major names that you worked with? Oh, gosh. Uh, now I really do have to think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because, you know, first, the first few years, especially for me when I started, it was a process of just networking and basically just doing makeup anywhere at any time that anybody would have me. Um, Early in my career, I did do a lot of projects with BET. Um, There was a show that they had on for a couple of seasons called Live from L.A. It was a talk show. I remember that. And I would have to say, yeah, I was there for the first season. And I would have to say that's probably where I ran into the majority of some of the A-list celebrities a lot of people would know. Um, because they ran the gamut, and also they they also brought in a lot of musical guests. So, oh my God, I met Bernie Mac there, um, and actually ended up on the Bernie Mac show several years later. Oh gosh, it's just so many. <laughs> it's just it's 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 just hard to even remember all of the people that just kind of passed through your chair. You you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I can say now 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 that I'm thinking about it, I. Didn't do her makeup, but I did work with Jennifer Hudson on Dream Girls before she became really, really famous. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember having a conversation with her after watching, you know, her, you know, act out these scenes and stuff. And I told her, I said, "You're going to blow up when this movie comes out." And, and she look did. who Jennifer Hudson is now. Oh gosh, uh, Grammy, Oscar, Emmy, yes. Tony. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's yes. nothing left yes. for her, but. Please. Yeah. I got the chance to interview her about five years ago. She was just such a delight. Just, I didn't realize she was so a tall delight. either. She's a tall. Yeah, she's so, 
<laughs> yeah, she's a tall drink of water. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I'm just, well, I'm not that short, but I just didn't know she was going to be so tall and statuesque, but uh, really cool to talk to. Well, now, okay, as far as, did you have to go through some extensive training later on, or was it on the job training with all these top TV and films that you've worked with? Um, for me, it was on-the-job training. Um, there are makeup schools, um, but at the time, I was a struggling artist. I couldn't afford to go to makeup school. That's where my, my friend, who's still my, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, Tim Buchanan, um, who was actually department head on Dreamgirls and a lot of other um, really, really um, big-budget shows, um, I learned from him. And I always had kind of an aptitude for art anyway, but, you know, coming from the Midwest and from a family that came from the South, you know, that wasn't really encouraged to be in a career. It was go to college. Um, but um, I was able to flex those skills and learn how to apply them to a face and enhance, you know, whatever's going to be in front of the camera, I guess you could say. Um, I do know a lot of people who went to makeup school. I wish I had had the opportunity to do so, but you know, I learned everything on the job. And anything that I do feel like I need some help on, and even to this day, I will still take a master class. I will still take a refresher class on some things that maybe I'm not that strong in or something that I don't have an opportunity to do a lot, just so if the opportunity ever arises and someone asks me to do something, I'm prepared to do it. So what is it like that part, the journey? Because we, of course, we all know that becoming an actor, actress in Hollywood is tough, no matter who you are, as far as uh, race and ethnicity. But for you as a makeup artist, an African-American female makeup artist, was it even more difficult or what was that whole journey like? Well, um, I wouldn't say it was more difficult for me than maybe some other people I know. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It's not always easy to, to get your name out there and to network um, without being intrusive. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, without being intrusive. There's, there's kind of a fine line you have to, to walk. But as long as you maintain your professionalism, you stay up on your, your skill set, and you pay attention to the trends because the things that were, you know, trending, you know, five years ago are not even trending right now in makeup. You, you kind of have to stay on top of that and not stay stuck in a box. Something that worked for you 15 years ago um, might not be applicable right now. So it's important to be able to be flexible. Um, and again, like I said, professional. And just, just, you know, just carry yourself with, with an air of dignity and just, you know, be competent in your skills. Because no one wants anybody applying makeup to them who's second-guessing themselves all the time. It makes the actors nervous. And then they don't have confidence in you. And then they spend more time worrying about how they look and not necessarily being able to concentrate on what they need to do, which is act. And I know, I know it's not... We can't name names, but do beautiful celebrities, do they sometimes have acne just like regular people? Sure they do. That's why they have people like me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to cover up what you can and make Okay. Okay, Michelle. So, all right. Do 
of course, without naming names, of course. Uh, do celebrities have acne just like regular people like me and you and everybody else? I'm not saying you have acne, but me. I know I do. Well, I do too. Okay. Um, of course they do. Not all celebrities have come in come into my chair with, with perfect skin, but you know, that's what they hire people like myself and, and, and some of the other amazing makeup artists out there, um, to enhance that skin and make it look as perfect as possible. Um there is only so much that you can cover up. I mean, anything that's raised on the skin you can make it less apparent, but you can't make it go away but we also have help from the people in the lighting department you know they know how to light things to make that skin look even more flawless than it possibly you know would when when we just apply makeup on it um so yeah not everybody comes to us perfect but we try to send them out of that trailer looking perfect well, you've done an excellent job of some of the projects and looking at some of your work. And I'm glad you mentioned about lighting because over the years, I have heard off the record, of course, uh, a lot of, because um, I worked in television news for a minute, uh -huh. but I, I would hear a lot of African-Americans talk about the, the, the lighting that sometimes uh, on certain television sets and shows or films that when they, when you light black people is sometimes not done properly. So talk about that for a minute. Well, that, that is true. I have worked on shows where I wasn't always happy with the way, you know, the actors looked on the set under the lighting that uh, was provided. Um, sometimes you have good, you know, gappers that's the department that's, that's kind of responsible for the lighting and stuff where you can actually go up and collaborate with them and you know make some adjustments and stuff sometimes that's not always possible and when it's not you do the best you can to make up for what the lighting person or the lighting people may not be able to provide for you okay. to make your actors look as good as possible well, that's good to know. Uh, I can just probably you can your list is I'm sure long, but I just once you work in TV, you can notice things like that, and I can yeah. just see a lot of different TV shows and such. Like, man, they need to talk with Mr. Light or Mrs. Lighting person. This yeah, sometimes yeah. it's up to us as, as makeup artists to compensate for that. Uh huh. Okay. Oh, that must be a challenge not to step on toes and. Uh, egos of Hollywood, of course. It, it can be. It <laughs> yeah. can be. But, you know, you, you just go in there and you just try to do the best job you can. Yeah. Well, now, what about this? Uh, do the big uh, cosmetic companies, do they work with you? Do you have sponsorships from them? Or how does that work as far as product? Well, well sometimes that's possible. Um, it just depends. You know, you reach out to cosmetic companies and um, sometimes they are willing to you know, sponsor you uh, with product um, for your show in a, you know, in exchange for, you know, tags and posts on social media. Um, it happens. Um, the, the bigger your name in the business, um, a lot of times you don't even have to go to those people. They come to yes. you and offer, offer the makeup, you know, for, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, tags and posts on social media and things of that nature and stuff. So, yeah, it, 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 it happens. It really does. There's a couple companies I wish would reach out to me. <laughs> Pat McGrath, if you're listening, <laughs> or if anybody knows Pat McGrath, I would love some of that product. I've definitely heard of that name, and I don't blame you none whatsoever. Man, put me on the list, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know what you're saying because this show, we got a lot of uh, products, uh, different, just from grills to liquor, combs, hey, just all kinds of stuff, uh, books, of course, and we get so much of it. And I just sometimes donate it to like shelters and different places like that. But Pat McGrath's products, no, that's going to me. Thank you. <laughs> Very generous of you. Well, now, how busy do you normally stay? Uh, is it like, how do you guys count what you do? Is it during the season or is it the whole 12 months or, or what? Well, it's a little different now than it was when I first came in because there were seasons, especially, you know, in television. But now we have so many uh, different streaming uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. um, there's no such thing as a season per se anymore because we shoot all year round now. Um, I stay relatively busy, but um, I try to take a break in between each show I do, um, depending on how uh, the length of the show. Um, if I can, I try to get a little time in just to relax and, and catch up on rest, because these are long hours. That's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. Um, a normal day for me, at a minimum, is 14 hours. Oh, goodness, no. Yeah, that's a, that's a minimum. Um, I'm usually there a little longer than that um, because we um, makeup, hair, and wardrobe comes in a couple hours early before everybody else does because we have to get everybody ready. Um, so um, yeah, my day my day can be 16 hours. Um, so it's not um, it's not unnatural or unnormal if that's a word <laughs> uh, for me um, to work. You know, 80 hours a week. Wow. I, and I'm very glad that you are breaking it down like this because, and I know you run into this a lot, you run into a lot of people who think, oh, the glamour of being in entertainment. Oh, I want to be. But this is a lot of work. Uh, before, it's a, it is. It's a lot of hard work. It really, really is. Um, and you you really have to have the, the mental and the physical stamina to do it. Um, because all conditions that you work in are, you're not always on a soundstage, you know, where it's air conditioned and, you know, and all that. Um, especially when you're doing film, you, you shoot on location and the weather can change on you. Um, when we were on the harder we fall, harder they fall. Um, we started in New Mexico, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, around the end of August, and it was it was sizzling hot. Oh gosh, yes. And we were there until right before Christmas, and by that time it was freezing and it was snowing and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and we still had to shoot shows and films like that. And and to be able to talk to you is just awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you talking to me and 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 the questions and. And, and everything. It was, it, like I said, I, I, I had an amazing time. Thank you so much. Well, I really appreciate it. And so if you decide to do your next project or the school, the book or whatever, please call me because we would love to have you back on so I can find out what's the latest that's going on with you. I most certainly will. And you'll be one of the first ones to know. Okay. Well, I really do appreciate that. And so I look forward to um, talking to you in the immediate future. 
Thank you. You too. Okay. Take care then. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, Okay, everybody, listeners out there, we have our next guest on board here at Film Festival Radio Show. And uh, he is a very, very talented, uh, very incisive young man who has is the CEO of a company called Filmocracy. And his name is Paul John. And Paul, welcome to Film Festival Radio. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, you have, as I said, um, want everybody to go to the website as we're talking to take a look, especially if you are a filmmaker or if you are a film festival director, organizer, or planning on starting a film festival. This is an ideal company that you really need to pay attention to. It's called The website is filmocracy.com, and that's F-I-L-M. O-C-R-A-C-Y dot com. You will be more than pleased with what you are going to see. So, Paul, let's start by asking, what exactly is Filmocracy? How does it benefit independent filmmakers? And how does it benefit film festivals? Yeah, well, Filmocracy is really two things. We initially started as a streaming platform for independent filmmakers, and independent films are usually spread out across many different platforms but really none of them do a very good job of promoting them of marketing them of actually getting people to commit to watching them because if you don't have any marketing behind your film it's just really hard to get anybody to commit so we use gamification and rewards in order to drive behavior so essentially we're giving you points for watching and rating independent films which then helps other people make decisions on what films they want to watch. Because if we can prove to them, hey, you don't know what this film is, you don't know who's in it, but everybody seems to think it's a 9.4, you're much more likely to watch the film. And this has been proven out through our data. Um, And the second piece is we started hosting film festivals since the beginning of the pandemic. uh, And that really became a big driver for our business. So we host about four to eight film festivals a month. And that's a subscription kind of like Boss Pass or Movie Pass. So you can go to all of these film festivals, which includes, you know, screenings, live and on demand panels, Q and A's with filmmakers, award shows, all the things that you would normally associate with a film festival. So really, it's, it's the combination of these two things. But at the end of the day, it's really just about promoting independent film, helping people move along in their careers and get their films out there because there's just so much talent uh, that's left undiscovered all the time. You are exactly right. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think I read somewhere that now worldwide there is about 9,000 plus film festivals throughout the world. Am Am I close on that? Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I would say about... Half of them are recurring and consistent, uh, but about another half of them will just start for one year and give up after a year because it is a tough business. Yes, it's a very tough business indeed. But now, okay, with with Filmocracy, again, everybody go to the website, especially if you're a filmmaker, a film festival organizer, filmocracy.com. So about how many subscribers do you guys have now? And is this uh, filmmakers, film festival people, or just a combination of both, along with people who love independent films? 
Yeah, there's 40,000 on the platform right now. And I would say more than half of them are filmmakers themselves. Um, they really seem to gravitate towards it, being able to see each other's work, comment on each other's work, leave reviews and ratings um, has really resonated with the filmmakers. Uh, but then also the people who love film festivals. And what we're finding actually is, you know, normally people associate film festivals with older audiences. And that is somewhat still the case, but we, we are able to access uh, a lot of newer viewers, younger viewers, because of the technology. You know, these younger people might not go to, you know, the local city film festival in their town, but if it's online, it's just much more accessible. And, and we're finding that we have two groups now, these young people who are newly entering this film discovery phase, along with some of the older generations who just traditionally like those art house type films. So your parents and your Gen X and Gen Zers, they can all just gather together in the den or the living room and just enjoy whatever film festival they want to enjoy. Is that what we're doing here? I would say fun for the whole family. <laughs> However, you know, we have a lot of niche film festivals that are very specific in their programming. So some of them might not be appropriate. Like, for example, we have a extremely bloody horror film festival mm -hmm. called the Cabane Aesang Film Festival. And, you know, that might not be suitable for anyone under <laughs> 17. Uh, but yeah, if, you're, if your parents are into horror, that would, that would be a great festival for them. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, so in other words, let me make sure I get a very clear understanding for listeners out there. Uh, if one goes and becomes a subscriber to filmocracy.com, then that allows them to be able to click in and enjoy whatever film, independent film or film festival that's plugged into filmocracy.com. Is that correct? That is correct. And so these are rotating film festivals. Obviously, film festivals usually happen once per year, some a little bit more often than that. So once the festival ends, those films from that festival disappear. But new ones from newer festivals will then appear. So it's rotating. Now, I know the list is very long because I've been to the website several times. But give uh, our listeners just some of the, the key film festivals that you guys have worked with. Yeah, I'd say the biggest clients we have have been like the American Film Market, which we hosted twice. Um, that's an extremely large film, independent film event that happens in Santa Monica every year. We've also done events for the Television Academy um, and also film festivals like the San Diego Film Festival, the Bahamas International Film Festival, and the Aspen Shorts Fest, just all around the world. From different places. Well, I'm very familiar with all of those, of course. Uh, now, when it's uh, Academy Award time here, Golden Globe Films, the uh, Foreign Films, um, all of those events, how do you, are you guys working with them? Are you planning on it or how does that work? Yeah, the, the main award show we have not done for like the Oscars or the TV Academy, but we do some like satellite events for them. For example, the TV Academy does like the college television awards where they have uh, basically programming mentorship and uh, awards for college students and the submissions that they have. Um, so really it depends on the event, but we're working in many different capacities uh, to put on events and festivals. Now I understand that last year, uh, Filmocracy, you guys launched 
uh, the first ever fellowship awards uh, for female centric film festivals. So tell us more about that. Are you bringing that back again this year? Or have you already done so or what? Yeah, that was actually the first one that we did um, because the film festival industry is so cutthroat and so difficult and many people are just working from the goodness of their hearts and sweat equity. We decided we were going to support those uh, people and in doing so we wanted to focus on particular groups at, at a time. So the first one we did was female-focused film festivals. So we had film festivals that are focused on women from Africa and Canada and all over the U.S., we gave them six weeks of mentorship and education. We have an amazing education director named John Fitzgerald. He's been in the film industry for 25 years. He co-founded Slam Dance, you know, has done tons of things. So we gave them education. We've given them some financing, uh, depending on their size. And we also extended our festival platform services to host their events on Filmocracy. So if you're interested in female-driven stories, these are the festivals that have those types of films, and they're being hosted by our platform as well. And so people, the uh, female filmmakers, they can get more information on how to apply for this at filmocracy.com. Is that correct, or is it a different website? Uh, yes and no. So it would be festival.filmocracy.com. Okay. Um, we have information available there, but this is a program that's directed at the film festival directors, not filmmakers themselves, although we do plan on doing something directly for the filmmakers soon. Okay, and to further speak of film festivals and filmocracy, you guys are having your own film festival, Filmocracy Fest. Dot com July 14th and 15th. So tell us all about your film festival coming up. Yeah, this is our third edition. Uh, we normally do it in the winter, but we found that that was less fun than some summertime. So we're moving it to July, uh, which is typically a slow festival month. Um, and we'll be doing it in Beverly Hills. We've got the Lumiere Music Hall that's hosting our screenings and we'll do some cocktail events as well as a film market that we developed which is super exciting because basically one of the most difficult parts when you have a film is finding the executive distributor person to talk to to pitch your film and a lot of people will go to the american film market or european film market or can and wander the halls of the lowe's hotel and try to jump into a meeting just spontaneously, but that's not how the business works. And so what we're doing at our film market is we put people face to face, filmmakers, executives in the same virtual room, they can talk to each other, they have four minutes to pitch their wares. And if they like it, they can extend their time, they can send each other more information. But really, it's that first point of contact that we're trying to develop and build that relationship for the filmmakers. So definitely, if you're interested, as a filmmaker, the Filmocracy Film Market, which is part of Filmocracy Fest, uh, is a good event for you. And now, will the uh, Filmocracy Film Market event, is that taking place July 14th and 15th, or just one of those days? So on the 14th, we'll just be a cocktail mixer for people to get to know each other. But the 15th is the main event, and that's all virtual. And people will just sign into the platform, and they'll be able to click on the executive they want to speak to, which will lead them to a waiting room. And then once it's their turn, you'll be jumped into a meeting with that executive. 
that is very convenient. So even if you are not in Beverly Hills, LA in person, but you have uh, purchased a, a, an online ticket, you can still be able to pitch. Is that how it goes? Exactly. Oh, yeah. man, a lot that's... of people, you know, filmmakers are all over the world. So yeah, we got to give them access. Oh yeah, that's so, you know, in so many ways, oh, gosh, the pandemic did so much damage. However, one of the things that it did help is that for film, film festivals and just a lot of events with technology, thanks to Zoom and all of the other similar technologies, it has really opened up the door to allow people, especially filmmakers and fans, to attend these types of events from anywhere in the world. And I, I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people are experiencing Zoom fatigue and people are desperate to meet in person now, but you can't deny the function and the ease of use and the accessibility that comes with virtual events. So, you know, flying to Sundance may cost you a few thousand dollars, but attending Sundance events online, maybe a hundred. Yeah. And so you just have more opportunities. Exactly. And so I want to remind the listeners again, uh, that's Filmocracy Fest. F-E-S-T dot com is the website that you can sign up and become a part of all of this wonderfulness. I just made up my own word there. I kind of do that, Paul, sometimes. But anyway, again, is July 14th and 15th. And if you are fortunate enough to happen to be in Los Angeles during those two days, uh, Paul, where exactly will the on-site uh, festival take place? It'll be in the Lumiere Music Hall. Okay. So that's Beverly Hills. And then across the street, there's a great restaurant where we'll be hosting some cocktail mixers and drinks and things like that. Okay, that's cool. I know you had mentioned to me earlier that it was at that uh, theater, but when I'm talking to people like you, sometimes I'll, I like to go over the information at least three times because people tune in at different times. And I miss that. You know how that goes. <laughs> Can you repeat that again? I was like, no, okay. <laughs> but anyway, okay, now tell me about this part of your film festival. Um, which sounds like a benefit, another benefit for filmmakers. I understand that the, the filmmakers will be earning a percentage of screening fees for their participation. Now, how does that work and what does that mean? Yeah, you know, a lot of uh, bigger film festivals will not share revenue because they're giving you, lending you their platform and they think that that's enough. But, you know, for many filmmakers, the festival circuit is really the only opportunity they might have to monetize their films. So we're taking the ticket sales that we earn from each screening and we're sharing that with the filmmakers who are part of Philoxy Fest. And that happens sometimes when you're dealing with distributors and the distributors have the rights to the film and you have to pay them a license fee. But in this situation, you know, there's a lot of independent filmmakers who just don't know and they think they can't ask for a screening or don't even know to ask for a screening fee. So uh, definitely sharing some of that is important for us. That is and important for those filmmakers because like you, like you said earlier, a lot of them are just on shoestring budgets. And so I know they welcome this. That's great. Very great. Well, now tell me about, I understand that audiences are going to get it other than seeing some great films, um, how are they going to be able to participate as far as rating, reviewing films, earning treasure chests? What is that all about? Yeah, so a big part of our platform is this interactivity. 
you know, we want to get people engaged and thinking critically about these films. And the way we do that is after you watch any film on filmocracy, we put out a rating uh, prompt. And this prompt is asking you, you know, what did you think of the plot? Or how is the dialogue? How is the cinematography? Because the way that we have a lot of our metrics today, via Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb or Amazon, these are just one number metrics. And there's so much nuance to films. And we're trying to capture that nuance. Because one person might be more interested in strong dialogue and strong characters, while somebody else might just care about action sets and plot. So we're basically getting people to rate films after they watch them. They will earn some virtual popcorn, uh, which is kind of like credit card points. You can use these points in our shop to redeem things like games or gift cards or even festival passes. Um, and that's the reward mechanism to drive people to actually give these movies a chance. We all know that there's great independent films out there, but figuring out which ones they are is the difficult part. So that's what this reward system incentivizes. It sounds like some fun, too, while you're watching films. It really does. It doesn't like treasure chests, right? <laughs> yes. Well, now, Paul, about, I mean, how many films um, were submitted for this year's festival and how many will be screened during uh, Filmocracy Fest? Yeah, so our festival director is John Fitzgerald, and he's very, very selective. Uh, so he wants to maintain very high standards. So we, of the few hundred that are submitted, we only select about 20 films. Okay. He, he tries to do... Uh, an impact section of the film festival, so films that have some relevant, you know, social cause or other, you know, important message that's related to the film, and then the other half is just traditional features and shorts. Okay, sounds like a good variety there. And so um, now this is a, a different genres, ranging from what horror to dramas, or uh, what is the all the genres about? Yeah, we do, in the narrative portion, it can be any genre. Um, I don't believe we have any horror this edition of our festival, uh, but definitely in the impact section, it's mostly documentaries, um, some relating to climate change, some relating to uh, immigration, and there's just, uh, that's very important to John, so we, we try to give him free reign to make those selections. Now, uh, once this festival is over, again, it's July 14th and 15th, how quickly do you guys start cranking it back up for the next year when you start taking film submissions? I mean, how, when do you start again? We'll usually start about four months before the actual festival. Um, we actually have another event that we put on that will be at the end of the year. It's called Fest Dance. And this is the time when we really focus more on awards and recognition. So we, we look at the festivals that we hosted that year, we look at the films that were on the platform, and we just want to give prizes and awards and recognize people for their achievements um, because not everyone can win an Oscar, but that doesn't mean people don't deserve uh, to be noticed. So that's what Fest Dance is primarily for, and we'll start um, programming for that also four months ahead of time. Okay, that sounds like even more fun. Uh, if anybody is looking at filmocracy.com's website, it is such a, your, your designer, whoever designed your web designer, it's such a fun, colorful 
website. You guys did an excellent job. It really got my attention. And believe me, I've seen huh, millions of film festival websites. This one is a real keeper. I just love the way it looks. You would, you would laugh out of your chair if you actually saw the first version <laughs> of, of what I drew in my computer using Microsoft Paint of what I imagined this platform to be. This is actually much more uh, toned down compared to what I had in mind, so I'm glad you like it. I really do like it. It reminds me of uh, kind of like contemporary modern art or something like I'm at an art, a contemporary art museum gallery or something, exhibit, I should say. Well, um, lastly, uh, everybody's familiar, of course, with Wordle, but I understand you guys have something called Filmdoll. What is that all about? Tell everybody about Filmdoll. Well, Wordle was a craze a few months ago, so we're a little late to the party, but I think we have something really cool here, which is basically a film version of Wordle. And what we do is we basically have a trailer and we cut it down to 20 seconds and we will show you pieces of the trailer a little bit more each time as you're trying to guess what that film is. So first you'll see one second of the trailer. If you can't get it, it'll show you another second and then another two seconds. And so it's just a really fun recognition game for people to guess uh -huh. uh, what films are. And we're using the top 1,000 films in history uh, based on many different lists. Oh, that sounds really, really fun. Yeah. It's, because, you know, we all have friends who are the so-called Jeopardy experts and they're the, uh, you know, they're the... the <laughs> yes. This is different. Let's test your knowledge on films here. Let's just see how much you know. So, exactly. This is, now, how good are you at film, Dole? Um, You know, I made it, so I, I had definitely <laughs> seen a lot more than most people uh, who are probably going to play it. But it's even difficult for me, too. Um, you know, if you look at the top 1,000 movies across many different lists, many of them are a bit older films, um, more classic films, some that you may not have heard of, but maybe just know of so you know really it's it's the people who have a good strong film history and you know, strong knowledge of the classic famous directors from the past would probably do much better but there's also a lot of newer films too that have broken into those lists well i know i would fail miserably but i'm still a big film buff anyway so that's just me well Finally, Paul, okay, for opening night, um, I should say opening day and night, July 14th, are you guys having a big red carpet event or you have a different color carpet or just tell us about opening festivities? Yeah, we have our opening night film. Um, we'll have a small carpet with a step and repeat. It's not like going to Cannes or anything. Okay. Um, but definitely it'll be a good, good fun night with a lot of people. You know, we'll watch the film and then we'll head over to the restaurant bar across the street and drinks will be paid for and we can just hang out, talk about the film, get to know each other. Um, really, we're trying to have more intimate events where people can really connect with each other as opposed to you know, something very loud and like party-like, for example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This sounds like a very uh, class, contemporary, classy type of an event. Because uh, I think I know I am just uh, 
It's just overkill. I am so tired of attending huge, huge, huge events. Nothing wrong with big events if that's what you like. But I like this more intimate setting that's still getting the job done, so to speak. Yeah, and I know that we're all getting out of this whole pandemic, but there are still many risks with having lots of people together yes. in a small space. So we're also trying to manage that by not, you know, blowing this up too much with too many people. There's definitely going to be a cap. Definitely so. Okay, and once again, that is filmocracyfest.com. That's the website for the upcoming Filmocracy Film Festival taking place again July 14th and 15th, and it is on-site, as he just explained. But if you happen to live in Budapest or London or Canada or Poughkeepsie, New York, or even in my home state of Texas, you can still... Tune in, have just a lot of fun. Do your own red carpet, maybe in your living room or something, because you can go to the website and get all registered. And uh, you and your dog or something, you know, some people are still hidden behind the walls. And just have some fun, especially if you are a film festival lover and you love independent films. I, this is a winner. This is a winner. So, Paul, any closing remarks you'd like to make? Uh -huh. So if you spill enough wine on your carpet, you've got a red carpet right there. So I think that's a, a pretty easy way to participate. Um, exactly. But also for the for the game Filmdol, uh, the address to play that is actually Filmdol F I L M D L E dot filmocracy dot com. Okay. For anyone who wants to play. Very, very good. And so for those of you, especially people who I, people that who, who are trivia buffs and who are good at it, why do they get on my nerves so much? But so I'm, I'm issuing a challenge for all of you trivia experts. Go try Film Dole and see how you're going to come out and then call me. You know my number. You know my email address. But anyway, Paul, thank you so much for giving us so much insight and information about filmocracy.com. And I know film festivals and independent filmmakers of the world just love you guys for creating this wonderful business well thank you so much for having me it's an honor and a privilege and i hope you the best okay thank you again and we'll see you next month uh well i should say what am i saying it's already july so we'll see you uh, in a few days at filmocracyfest.com thank you again thank you janice okay Okay, we are out of time, way out of time. Thank you to both of our guests. Uh, check out their websites, attend the film festival, filmocracy.com. And we will see you guys next week on another edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Take care. Bye-bye.